Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of the Remaking Middle School Initiative. You can learn about Remaking Middle School on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. Now, here's this episode. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we explore the many facets that impact young adolescents in the middle school years, from the adverse to the awkward to the awesome. I'm your host, Jason Cascarino. Today, we have part one of my conversation with Barbara Seip, Janine Turner, and Amir Al-Sayed from the Richmond, Virginia-based nonprofit Next Up RVA. Barbara is president and CEO of Next Up, an organization that partners with schools, the district, the city, and the community to connect middle schoolers with quality out-of-school time opportunities across the city of Richmond, as well as provide capacity building and support for providers of expanded learning programs. Janine is Vice President of Strategic Partnerships and Programs for Next Up, and Amir is Senior Manager of Program Services. The level of effort in infrastructure and relationship building required to provide equitable access to quality out-of-school time programs at a large scale is complex and intensive, and also essential to drive learning and development outcomes for young adolescents. We work collaboratively with schools to really align our efforts with the goals of what that school has. Whether it's to increase school day attendance or if it's to improve literacy, we're working with schools to ensure that the programming and youth development practices that we are putting in place are aligned with whatever they're doing. Our site staff, they play an integral role at each of the schools because they support and engage with whatever the school's doing as far as school-wide activities and initiatives. We also work closely with um, the integrated services coordinator at each of the schools. So that's that wraparound uh, service organization that's really helping to address lots of factors that may be barriers for kids. And we work with them to recruit students who are on their caseload to participate in Next Step, understanding that for many of them, Next Step becomes somewhat of an intervention for whatever risk factors they're um, experiencing, whether it's in their school day attendance, their behavior, uh, or their course performance. Here in part one of our conversation, Barbara, Janine, Amir, and I talk about the origins and evolution of Next Up RVA and why middle school has been their focus from the very start. The array of partners the organization organizes and coordinates to make out-of-school opportunities available to students. The mechanisms to help young people make good choices in engaging in programs that are a good fit for their interests and needs. And the support Next Up offers to program providers to boost their capacity to serve young people. In part two of our conversation, we will talk about how Next Up tracks data to ensure quality of programming at scale. The impact the organization is seeing among the students it serves, including early cohorts that are now graduating from high school. How Next Up and its partners have worked to be responsive to the student needs in this moment in time, and what the organization is planning next to expand its value to the young people and families of the city of Richmond. Part two will be released next week. Now, here's part one of my conversation with Barbara Seip, Janine Turner, and Amir Al-Sayed. Barbara, Janine, and Amir, it's a delight to have you here on the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time to join with me. Happy to be with you, Jason. Thank you. We're super happy to be here. So we're going to spend most of our time together talking about Next Up RVA, which is the organization you all hail from. 
doing great work orchestrating programming for middle school aged youth across the city of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, before we dive into that, let's give our listeners a chance to learn a bit about you. Um, Barbara, I'll start with you if I can. Uh, we're going to talk about system-wide programming here with Next Up RBA, and it looks like you spent a long time managing and leading larger scale efforts in community-based programming work, and you did a long stint with the United Way in a couple different capacities, and now President and CEO of Next Up for the last nine or 10 years. Tell us about what's drawn you to this work and why you've been keeping up with it for quite some time. So the work that I've done throughout my career has really focused on macro level systems change. So started in the early child development space and building a regional coalition for early child development, which turned into Smart Beginnings, which is now Thrive Birth to Five here in the Richmond region. And then also did the same sort of work with positive youth development uh, with a regional plan for out of school time. And then even all the way to older adults and created an age wave plan, which 10 years ago was looking at the aging population. And as boomers were retiring, knowing that our entire population was going to shift and so would their uh, services and needs. The work that we do at Next Up, which has always uh, really drawn me to the organization, is looking at how to create a strong system of services for youth, particularly adolescent youth, middle school aged, and now we're even branching into older youth in the high school age. So just really believing that the importance of connection and experiences both in the classroom and out of the classroom are an important part of our human development and our ability to know what we're capable of and to be able to live up to our fullest potential. And Janine, you are Vice President of Strategic Partnerships and Programs with Next Up, and you're an experienced educator. You've been in the classroom, you've been in school leadership roles, including being a building principal, and I'm always interested in how educators like yourself segue into different types of roles in the education space outside of schools. Tell us a bit about your journey in the education and, and youth serving space. It's been a journey thinking about my career as an educator. I was an English teacher first and then went quickly into school administration. And actually what kind of drew me to this work was seeing an after school program happening at my school where I was the principal and just seeing that light bulb uh, go off for kids and, and them really light up when they were in a space after school where they could be creative, have fun, be safe. Um, and just explore different interests. And so it was something about that that drew me to the youth development space. And, and that's kind of how I went on to find Next Up. And I actually was very grateful to be in the beginning of the process and the building of Next Up, helping to create what it looks like. And of course, I have a vested interest because all of my experience has been around underserved communities um, and youth in those communities and families. And so my goal in working with Next Up is just for kids to turn, again, that, that spark of passion and talent into careers one day where they can see success. You know, the, the whole notion of, you know, once you find your passion, you don't work a day in your life. I wish that for, for every kid as much as I wish it for myself. Amir, you are Senior Manager of Program Services and you also have experience with youth programming in the Richmond area, including with the YMCA of Greater Richmond and now with Next Up. Tell us a bit about what's inspired you to a career supporting the learning and development of young people. 
my experience is all through programs and youth, um, both at the ground level and in leadership roles in the greater Richmond area. I've had the opportunity to uh, serve youth uh, in Petersburg, Henrico, and now in Richmond, which has been a great opportunity through programs that focus on social and emotional learning, programs that focus on academic uh, growth, and also programs that focus on program quality. This is kind of what drives me is, is just being able to see like the end product and the process with our youth and just being able to track them year after year, um, see how they grow through our programs. And like Janine, I've only served in underserved communities. So just being able to see our students in the greater Richmond area grow and thrive is really what drives me. Well, let's talk about Next Up RBA. Uh, Barbara, you, you teased this a little bit in your intro. Maybe you can just start by giving us some of the basics. You know, as I understand it, it started out as Middle School Renaissance 2020. So just tell us how the organization got started, why middle school, what you're trying to achieve, how the organization has evolved over time and the like. So the organization was created out of a partnership between Richmond Public Schools and Richmond's business community. We have a, a person in the Richmond community who has invested a great deal of their personal um, wealth and um, philanthropic interest in the school system for decades. And this business leader had asked the question, what would it take to put more Richmond middle schoolers on the path to success? And the superintendent at the time, who was Dr. Yvonne Brandon, a wonderful superintendent for Richmond Public Schools, answered that call and said, what we need is more programming and, and services for our middle schoolers, that that's a critical time in the school K through 12 continuum, but also just frankly, our human development where we are really seeing where kids are starting to push limits, test their limits. Um, and it's a really important time where either we can keep kids engaged or we start to lose them. And so this work group was formed and they did a national search to find out what was working across the country. And they came across the work that the Wallace Foundation had done in investing in out-of-school time systems we found that there were some really good examples of communities that were doing exciting things that were having a true impact on middle schoolers. And so what came out of that was the recommendation that Richmond set up an organization, an intermediary, that would both raise money and create like a shared funding pool and then coordinate high quality after school programs to be delivered inside of Richmond City middle schools. And the goal was to really be able to engage middle schoolers in quality expanded learning experiences that keep them engaged and then ultimately lead to their successful completion of high school and, you know, thriving into adulthood. So systemic work has so many different components and I, I, want, I want to dive into a, a number of different pieces here if we can. I've worked in philanthropy and the education and youth serving nonprofit world for a long time. And I know that leveraging partnerships to do good work at scale is a strategy that can be a tremendous value. And it's also tremendously challenging to, to get it right. So I'm always interested in how organizations that operate at the system level, whether that's across a school district or across a city or region, forge and, and maintain the types of partnerships with many other organizations to get the work done and to drive impact. Janine, maybe you can give us a sense of the array of partnerships and relationships 
next up builds and manages community-based partners, public schools, the district office, and the like. How does that process work? Twice per year, uh, we release RFP applications for organizations that are interested in providing high-quality enrichment programs for youth through our core middle school model that happens at our five next up sites. And now, most recently, for teens ages 12 to 19 in community settings. As a part of our vetting process, those interested organizations are required to complete applications. We have a small volunteer group of folks, uh, stakeholders actually, who will um, review those applications. And then once an organization has been approved, that organization is now part of our network, right, of program providers. And from there, we work to coordinate those programs that will happen at the school sites and also in the community. At the school level, we work with our site team staff that provides the actual staff who are boots on the ground. They're the ones who are doing all of the recruitment, all of the registration. They're working directly with the school to ensure that there's space and that all the materials are needed and that everything is ready and set up for our partners to come in. We work with our uh, school administration too to determine which programs from that provider uh, list of approved providers will make up their programming schedule for our three sessions that we have per year, which is fall, winter, and spring. And additionally, you know, we use some of the student and family feedback as well. We know kids have a lot of opinions about the things that they want to do. And so we use that student feedback as well to kind of drive the decisions about programs that are at the school. We work collaboratively with schools to really align our efforts with the goals of what that school has, whether it's to increase school day attendance or if it's to improve literacy. We're working with schools to ensure that the programming and youth development practices that we are putting in place are aligned with whatever they're doing. Our site staff, they play an integral role at each of the schools because they support and engage with whatever the school's doing as far as school-wide activities and initiatives. We also work closely with um, the integrated services coordinator at each of the schools. So that's that wraparound uh, service organization that's really helping to address lots of factors that may be barriers for kids. And we work with them to recruit students who are on their caseload to participate in Next Step, understanding that for many of them, Next Step becomes somewhat of an intervention for whatever risk factors they're um, experiencing, whether it's in their school day attendance, their behavior, uh, or their course performance. So what's the scale here? Like how many partners in a given year, how many how many schools are you, are you in? We're in five schools, five middle schools. And we also provide some STEM-rich programming for two of the middle schools, and that's for their STEM academies. Our network of providers is made up of about 70 organizations. So I think we had about 10 or 11 partners in that first year to now 70 organizations from grassroots to veteran organizations, for-profit, nonprofit. We even partner with some teachers. That's an extraordinary volume of partners and relationships to, to, to manage. And, you know, one of the biggest things and you sort of mentioned this is that, you know, managing that many relationships, you know, all these other entities have their own interests and their own missions that they want to achieve. And part of the trick is to ensure that, that there is good alignment. You talked about that with schools. And I wonder for the programs, how has Next Up been able to rally your partners around, say, a shared vision so that there is some commonality around with what all you're all trying to do as organizations? What we all have in common is that we believe in, you know, serving youth. We've all been able to rally around the fact that we know that these out-of-school time enrichment experiences 
are meaningful for our kids. They're necessary for our families, oftentimes because families need somewhere safe for their kids to be. But we also know that they have to experience things somewhere, you know, that they have to be able to see beyond what their immediate circumstances are. And so whenever we bring new organizations on board, we're, we're happy to see that everybody's committed to that same vision of how can we help youth see and realize success in the future. Uh, Amir, let's switch to the student experience if we can. Let's, let's sort of dive into some of the mechanics here of how this all works. Just tell us about the tools that you've built and the, the process that you designed to connect Richmond youth to quality learning and development opportunities with, the, with these program providers across the city. Just to break it down a little bit with how it works throughout the school years, we do have three different sessions that we operate in, a fall session, a winter session, and a spring session. Uh, give or take, they're each approximately about 10 weeks. But before each of those sessions occur, we have a registration period for the students to select programs. So the site teams and the site coordinating agency that Janine was talking about, they meet before each of those sessions in order to pick programs from our network of providers. So those 70 network providers that Janine had mentioned, they get to view those, those programs and then they select what is the best fit for their schools. So for example, we have River City Middle School has a very high Hispanic population and we have specific programs that are tailored for that school. So the site coordinator's job is to just kind of be in tune with the school just to see what are the students' interests. And then students have the opportunity during a registration period that occurs about two weeks before the session starts to actually select programs. Once students select programs, they then have another two weeks to either add or drop programs. So if they say, hey, I tried out this uh, gardening class and it wasn't for me, I'm more of a basketball player, uh, they have the opportunity to do that. So we do give them the autonomy during those two weeks to just say, hey, let's, let's kind of find what is the best fit for you and what, what is tailored to your interests. Additionally, what we do is we've started a student ambassador program across all of our schools in which we have about, give or take, about 10 students at each of our core model schools that are responsible for being the voice of their schools. They were, for the first time this year, able to preview and see all of our programs that we offer in, in our network, those that have been offered at the, their schools and ones that maybe have not been. And it was very interesting because they just kind of said, hey, this, is, this, this class would be a best fit, maybe not for me, but I know a lot of students at this school are interested. Our program and our, and our programs and everything we do is student voice and choice led. So we want it to be tailored around not only just the students in the greater Richmond area, but also students that are specific at that school. You know, I'm on the board of a youth-serving organization in my own community here just outside Chicago, and we provide summer learning camps and some in-school programming. And one of the biggest things that we wrestle with is, and I'm curious if you do as well, is is providing access to these opportunities to youth and families who might not be able to either afford it or otherwise have ready access to it. How has Next Up tackled the issue of, of, of equity and access to, to quality programming? All of the programming that happens in the middle schools is offered at no cost to the students and families. So we fundraise for the program costs and we provide contracts and fees for services to the providers so that nothing gets passed on to the kids. The other barrier, right, when parents are surveyed about this, it's it's cost and it's location and it's transportation. So Richmond Public Schools provides the transportation home for the students, which is 
critical. And we had a disruption with that during COVID, not only when schools were all virtual, but coming back where there was the national bus driver shortage. And we saw that that really, really hurt kids' ability to stay after school when they did not have a way home that was provided by the school system. So we've worked hard to get that back. And this year, we've um, Richmond Public Schools has been providing the buses again because as they recognize the importance of this kind of service and programming. And then the location is also critical. So all of the programs are happening either at the school or they're going off-site but coming back to the school. So you have the captured audience of students that were in school in that day, which is also an incentive to come to school so that you can stay after. Janine, another core aspect that I was interested in of your work is this capacity building element. Um, you know, if you're if you're going to accomplish a mission through partnerships at scale, you know, you want to invest time and effort in the capacity of those partners to to do good work. And you all have designed, as I understand it, some professional learning and supports for partners in the space. Can, can you just share a little bit about that aspect with us? We believe that, you know, when youth provider organizations thrive, that youth also drive. They are the most important factor um, that's in, that's working with the student. We say that the same, you know, in the education space, like the teacher is the single most important person. I'm sure you've heard that before to a student and to their learning experience. And we feel the same way about provider organizations. So we're committed to investing resources into supporting the organizations in our provider network. We coordinate and and also in some cases facilitate professional development and training opportunities in things like youth development best practices, evaluation and, da- and continuous improvement, like how do you use your program data to help inform your program practices. And the reality of it is, is that most of these organizations who are serving youth are also providing programs outside of Next Up. So these are organizations who have a, a great reach. And so we know that the benefits extend way beyond Next Up. Over the next couple of years, we'll be focusing on ensuring that program providers are trained in social emotional learning. Number one, the instructors themselves to be self-aware and to understand their own emotions and feelings and what they're bringing to the table when they're working with youth and how that then translates into them instructing high quality programs. And then we want to also focus on career pathways and how can those programs begin to infuse some of those elements into their programs as well. So we're really committed to helping uh, to have like a healthy thriving provider network of organizations who along the way are able to continue to hone in on their craft and also learn new things that will help to improve their programs. That was Barbara Seip, Janine Turner, and Amir El-Sayed from Next Up RVA. You can learn more about Next Up online at nextuprva.org or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Next Up RVA. Remember to look out for part two of my conversation with Barbara, Janine, and Amir next week on the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers, and advocates for young adolescents in the middle school years. Recently, I interviewed three professionals from Education Opens Doors, a Dallas-based nonprofit that works with middle schools, providing curriculum, professional learning, and resources to help young adolescents be more informed about opportunities and choices for their future in high school, in college, and in careers. Kristen Pereira is Senior Curriculum Specialist, Kelsey Martin is Manager of Creative Projects, and Nia Cottenham is Implementation Manager. 
Together, they share with us how early adolescence is an ideal time to help young people explore their interests and learn practical skills and approaches to decision making for turning those interests into their future learning, livelihood, and life. Making that strong connection between what's learned in the classroom and the real world is super important for harnessing that student engagement. It's just something we found time and time again, feedback from students and in feedback from teachers. You know, these students, they, they wanna know that what they're investing their time in matters and is gonna benefit them in the long run. This generation can really sniff out busy work with record speed and we don't want them to feel that way. And, I would really argue that it's more important to create a safe space to ask questions than to give a concise answer. And that's something I really believe that our programs do well. We challenge students to ask questions, to get curious and discover what they're interested in and passionate about and, and start from there, as opposed to just constantly absorbing new information and never applying it. You can listen to both parts of my conversation with Kristen, Kelsey, and Nia, wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for joining the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. You can learn about Remaking Middle School or find more resources about the topics of this podcast on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. The Lessons in Adolescence podcast is produced by Abby Gillespie and me, Jason Cascarino. Editing by Paige Waterhouse. You can listen to or download each episode at the Remaking Middle School website, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening.